This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. And uh, if you want more of the show, you can listen to the podcast because we actually give you a little bit more of the show. You are in a bad mood today. <laughs> you are really in a bad mood. I have so much material on you, n- very little of it related to cars. Before, honestly, this would make the best reality show you've ever heard because if there was cameras in here, we'd be like the number one on TLC or something. I just said... I sniveled a little this morning, and I said, I have really bad allergies this morning. And Jen goes, me too. And I went, you have allergies? Oh, she said, no, I thought you said attitude. <laughs> Sorry, I was focused writing the script. And then she nearly lost, with, lost it with me in the car on the way over. What? You did. Oh, yeah. You, first of all, well, we start to, she starts complaining about her truck. No, you started it with saying, what do you need to do with your truck this time? Uh, yeah, because I, I said know, I? I said my other truck, the yeah. battery's dead. I said because uh, I haven't been yeah, driving. Well, that's it. What, that's, like, we got. I think we that was in response to you complaining about something else in your truck. And then I heard things come out of her mouth. This is the girl that is <laughs> m- sort of GM truck girl, Jen. Yes. And she goes, and my other truck is just a bad year that GM made that truck. It's a bad truck that year. And I'm like. <gasps> What? <laughs> you don't like some GM? Holy hell. You don't like a GM product? It's on, I can feel hell freezing over right now. And then she substantiates that statement with, on the free rate, the roof wobbles. It does. And warps. And I'm like, are you still driving this truck? <laughs> okay, so I just some background. I have a 94... And a 2003. Yeah. The 94 is solid. Yeah. It is a tank. Yeah. And I love that truck. Yeah. It's the 2003 that's... Uh, mm. That's your truck. So the 94, the, the 94 is, is, is your mine. son's. No, the 94 is mine. Okay. The 2003 is my son's. But so, I'm driving so, it. So the 2003 is okay. The 94 is a piece of no. POS. It's the other way around. Yes. Which is the blue one? Mine. The 94. Okay. So the 94... Solid. Solid. It's got 250,000 miles But the plus. one you're driving now is a POS? I think so. I just... When you drive down the freeway, yeah, the roof with the wind kind of... Oh, it. my God. That is not safe, just to let you know. Even, even Jordan, who is our <laughs> engineer, is, like, frowning at you, like, you get in this thing and drive it. Not my bro- it's not my fault. I didn't design it. Maybe it was like I'm a- driving it. I know, but and then and then of course I bring up I bring up the whole thing that you know you should probably think about. I can't afford it. I can't. I can't, I can't afford it. I know a lot of people can't afford it right now. It doesn't mean it's safe to continue. Well, we I'm not going to give it to my son. If you like you might know a car guy who mm, could help. I you might. Out. I who know. could help you out? Yeah, but I'm good. And then it was all topped off with 
Starbucks need to make a bigger coffee. They do. <laughs> this is bash on Jen morning. Sorry. Yeah, she, she was like, do they make anything bigger than a Vente? I said, yeah, they, they, they make the, the the bigger one, which what the Tetra. I don't know, but we Te- need it. Tentra? Trenta. Trenta. The Trenta, mm. which is probably 24 ounce, 26, some 24 ounce. Yeah, but we should just order it by the gallon, Nick. <laughs> you free pour into your mouth. Not everybody sells the the uh, the Trenta. Mm. Uh, I think selective places sell it. Well, yes. that was the beginning of the morning. Oh, no, it you forgot get better to from talk here. about the BMW. Oh, yeah. 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 So I'm driving... A car called the the BMW X5M competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, what did you say? It looks like a wild pig. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> first, gosh. First off, uh, so Nick, we get in the car and Nick's like, we're going to talk about this today. And I'm like, we always talk about cars. Right. right. And so I start telling him what I like about it. And he's like, ooh, save that. Ooh, save that. You know, she's one thing I like about being was like, I don't waste it on me in the car. There's like, there's like 100,000 people that want to hear that. Yeah, I'm sure. And then I said, but there's two things I don't like. And um, You like the steering wheel. I love the steering wheel. You don't wheel. like the headrests. That's the, yep. It's because they have the competition seats. And they're for cool people. Well, right, go for on, taller people. Yeah, go on. Carry okay. on. All right, let's hear it. Okay, so it looks like. A cow in the front. A cow? I thought you said a pig. Well, a cow or a pig. It's got the two big, the kidney bean kidney is too big. grills. It's too big on it's that. It's beautiful. They're blacked mm. out with a lower valance, lower air intake, and a left and right air intake. I'm looking at it now. And it's out. white and black, so yeah. moo. <laughs> Just called BMW X5M competition a cow. Well... I like everything else. Six hundred horsepower. Everything else is stunning. Six hundred horsepower. The engine, the interior, the everything. I love the colors. I just don't like that front grille. If they change that, it would be perfect. But I do like my nineteen ninety three Chevy, ninety four Chevy pickup truck, which where the roof wobbles when you drive it down the freeway. Oh, you mixed it up again. I did. Yeah. So what's wrong with the ninety (sighs) four? Anything? No, it's just the battery died because I've been driving the other truck. That's the one with the six inch lift. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that truck. All right. So you need you someone to fix we, your truck. No, and you notice we never bash on Nick's because you don't drive them. My cars they're sitting under <laughs> covers. They're sitting under covers in my driveway. They are because I'm always driving things like the X5M Competition exactly. or I have the Toyota Highlander right now, which is by the way is amazing. And Lexus, you love yeah. the Lexus and the Velar. Yeah, and yeah, we can go on and on. So um, you my should, cars, my personal cars, uh, are uh, they dead? No, because you never drive them once a week. Oh. Get them out. Do you have a trickle charger? No, don't need it. If not, if you drive them once a week. Lexus, by the way, you could leave it. My Lexus um, GX, you could leave it in the driveway for a year and then it would start first time. Mm. They're just, they're bullet. They're, talk about bulletproof. <laughs> Lexus and bulletproof. Well, let's see how they Toyota are 25 years from now. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll match our vehicles in 25 years and see what it's Mine's about. already there. <laughs> see if your roof is still wobbling in your truck. All right. What's on today's show? I'm sure you're desperate to know. Hey, uh, there's one thing in this world older than I am. Uh, there's it's a the lot Mustang. of things older than you. We're going to talk uh, 50th, 50th anniversary of the Ford Mustang. We're also going to talk about the, uh, the guy who is Brian uh, Spawn, who is the uh, father of electrification at uh, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure this was supposed to be in the script. He sounds like C-3PO. We'll be the judge of that. Uh, Mark Gillies joining us from VW there, celebrating their sixth million Tiguan. Uh, Rob Filipovic, head of planning at uh, Jaguar Land Rover, is going to talk about the SV, autobiography, Velar. Anton Woman is back. 
and uh, we're going to be talking about more of these cars. Jen's moaning and complaining. And, and uh, don't forget. And her allergies or attitude, mm, depending attitude. on what you thought you heard. All right, that's all coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. All right, so uh, on the back of the last segment, the, uh, the large coffee from Starbucks. What do we call it? The Trenta. Uh, Jordan, our uh, broadcast engineer, tells us that that's 30 in French. So it's probably 30 ounces. Maybe somebody from Starbucks can tell us. But uh, it's definitely 30. Was 30 ounces enough to get you on the radio and hyped up and ready to go? Sure. That's 20. It would be, be another third. Yeah. All right. I need as much coffee as possible on Saturday. Right, just get you a coffee IV set up. <laughs> Catch up with previous episodes of our show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past uh, episodes, and you can see automotive videos and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You can find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, you may know that uh, both Jordan and I had a birthday mm-hmm. uh, in the last week or so. Um Nicely shared between uh, the Queen and William Shakespeare for me. And, and uh, Mark Gillies that we'll have on later also shares yeah, your birthday. He does, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else has a birthday, though. Who? I don't know. The Ford Mustang. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jen. You're the one that puts the show together for us. The Ford Mustang has a birthday. Uh, it is a little older than I am, I am glad to say. Because not many things, uh, as my years advanced, are older than I and am. And I got my favorite for person from Ford to come on. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joining us, Ted Ryan. He's uh, he's the guy that knows all about Ford and uh, especially Ford Mustang. Uh, Ted, 56 years. I have, I always wanted the 64 and a half Mustang. And my friend finally bought me one. But it's only about the size of the palm of my hand. So I've never owned a 64 and a half. But that's the year it sort of all began. And uh, it's still going going strong now with another record just broken it is and thanks for having me on guys i enjoy cars i enjoy talking mustang and uh i'm actually exactly one day younger than the mustang the birthday for the mustang was april 17th 1964 and i'm one day uh later april 18th so that that first mustang that 64 and a half was a small one uh in fact it didn't get bigger until ford engineers and shelby got a hold of it and began uh turning it into the muscle car it became later uh but the the classic design and the dna of the mustang is still uh percolating through today in fact i'm riding I'm, my wife is driving because i've had to do this and my 2020 uh velocity oh. blue mustang that i love to drive. and so now the greatest ever performance lineup mustang earns the world's best sports car title um and that has been has that ever been held by mustang before it has, actually, the Mustang is America's best-selling sports car for the last 50 years. All right, there and you go. For the for the uh, the fifth straight best uh, best-selling sports coupe title. So it, yeah, it's, it sets the standards for sports car. And uh, the number that fascinates me too is since uh, 2015, Ford has sold 633,000 Mustangs worldwide. Uh, through 2019. So wow. uh, the Mustang has gone from an American classic to a worldwide iconic classic. It's, it's funny, I was driving through Germany uh, last year, 
and I saw some, I saw one in the driveway there because they're obviously on sale in Germany as well. My friend Dan Jones is heading up uh, part of the European PR team, so I'd call him and say, next time I'm in the uh, the UK, I want a Mustang because that's the car you want to be driving there. The uh, what was the idea originally to behind the Mustang? Because we know um, a lot of people have tried to emulate what Mustang did, but the idea behind the pony car, what were what were the designers thinking at the beginning? Well, there were, a couple, there were a couple of interesting stories. The Mustang is the direct descendant of the Edsel, because with the Edsel, they asked all the wrong questions and designed the wrong car. And with the Mustang, they turned around, they began to ask the correct questions. And there was a speech that was given internally at Ford called a market looking for a car. And they knew there was a younger demographic, better educated, more women entering the workforce, uh, more uh uh, higher educated, more disposable income, and they liked the sporty, stylish cars. So from the very beginning, the goal was something that was sporty, stylish. The three prototypes that were developed with the Mustang 1, which is a two-seater mid-engine that looked pretty much like the Speed Racer car. Uh, the Allegro, which fast because it had thick seats, but then uh, the uh, accelerator and brake pedals moved to you and the steering wheel moved to you. And then the Mustang 2, which was more along the lines of what became the Mustang of the 69 to 71 era. Uh, so they were sporty, stylish, uh, just a fun car. Uh, America was entering the fun age, and people wanted to have fun and drive fun and stylish cars. My dad bought a 65 yellow one with a brown interior. Wow. Uh, so it was the car for the, for the, for the new generation. And, of course, it's a historical uh, car, not just in uh, car culture, but also in pop culture, because you th- see things like uh, the the Bullet, which, of course, was the film uh, Bullet, which w- that was used in. The original car um, now made its way back into the public eye. Uh, and then Ford recreated a Bullet version, of which my friend Matt Moran uh, bought one off of the line there, and this is his pride and joy. Uh, and there's been many, many sort of different... Different Mustangs throughout history. Uh, what, what's your favorite, by the way, Ted? Well, I've got to say my favorite as a personal connotation is the bullet. One, uh, my father visited me in Detroit two years ago with Woodward Dream Cruise, and just like you're going to get Dan Jones to hook you up in the Mustang, I got our PR group to hook my dad up with the bullet. And so he nice. took me driving and uh, was telling me all the stories of the Mustang he owned. So and I got to see the original bullet that we had on display. But the, uh, the, it's interesting because we actually right now have 12 enthusiast models, and Bullet is one of them, uh, Shelby GT350 and GT500. If I had one I could go back in time and get, I would go back and get the 65 GT350 with a Wimbledon white paint color and the, the Guardsman blue stripe. It just looks like a Mustang ought to look to me. Uh, a favorite. And, of course, last year, Mustang took a big leap of faith into the new history books with presenting the Mark E as well. So, thing you know, no longer is Mustang going to be a two-seater sports car, but it's also going to bear the name on an on a electrified uh, SUV. You know, it's interesting, too, and, and I love the Mach-E. I love the look, the design of the Mach-E, and then the power that's going to come with that car is going to surprise people, the 0 to 60. It's going to have every bit of the sport and pep that you would expect of a car that's bearing the Mustang badge, a badge that's so iconic. Whenever I, I talk to outside groups about the Mustang, I always say there's very few cars that you say the, the brand name, and you don't need to say the company name. You don't right. need to say Ford Mustang. You don't need to say Ford Bronco. You just say Bronco, and everybody knows what it is. 
anything that's going to bear that badge has to live up to it, and the Maki is, is amazing. You were talking about movies. I'm going to give away one of my trade secrets. Whenever I get asked about uh, cars and movies, there's a great uh, Internet site, uh, the Internet Movie Car Database, I-M-C-D-B. And it, uh, you can put in any make and model. It will give you how many titles that uh, cars appeared in. Mustang, by the way, is more than 6,800 over the years. Wow, that's an awful lot. I, By the way, I should also mention I have two marquees on order. Um, I know that probably be delayed, but I bought a first edition and a GT. Or I put deposits on. I haven't bought them yet. But uh, um, I, I'm going to be a two-time Mustang owner sometime in the future. Lots of ponies. That's my dream car. Uh, right You're going to love the Mach-E. I, I, I want the Mach-E, but I'm going to save and go for the new Bronco when it, whenever it's revealed and announced. You, yes, uh, I, I did have second thoughts about that, although I was hoping the Bronco would be a little bigger, but I think it's going to be under 6,000 pounds, which uh, I was looking for a bigger truck than that. Uh, Ted, listen, if we, people want to know more about the Mustang history, is there somewhere that they can go to find it all out? They can. Uh, I don't have the website in front of me. Like I said, I'm, I'm driving. But if they go to Ford Performance, uh, you can both find out about the Mustang. We have Timeline Mustang. Uh, I forgot to mention the enthusiast clubs. There's over uh, 500 enthusiast clubs around the world, countless Facebook pages, and you can sign up to get information on the Mustang. I, too, am a, uh, I pay for it myself. I'm a proud card-carrying member of the Mustang Club of America, and there are publications on the Mustang yeah, it, it shows you the deep passion that people have for this amazing automobile that just celebrated 56 years of uh, on this earth and 50 years of the best-selling sports car in America. It's uh, it's a great car. Happy birthday, Mustang, and happy belated birthday to you as well. It's uh, it's a good time to be able to celebrate having both vehicles together. And of course, we'll try and uh, post on our Facebook site some connections so you can go and look at the history of the Ford Mustang. It's it's great to actually sit there and read it. You know, I didn't actually realize it was on sale in so many countries. Well over 140 countries. More coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play Our Auto Expert radio shows. Here we go. Oh, my phone's going off now. Uh, and all the... <laughs> All the previous episodes of the podcast are available. Uh, hours of endless fun await you as you're in quarantine. Uh, I'm Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert show, along with Truck Girl Jen, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily from our auto expert. Volkswagen, Toyota, Hyundai, and Fiat Chrysler preparing to restart production at their factories in the U.S. that have been shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic come early May. Maybe, but it's a move that the United Auto Workers say is premature, giving concerns about the possible spread of the virus. At this point in time, the UAW does not believe that it's safe to do so. And so the opening of plants, Canada opening May 4th, but the United States may be middle of May before car production gets underway. Doesn't mean automakers are doing nothing to support us while that's going on and support their 
communities. Hard times have always made great innovations. Antibiotics came out of the Second World War. The modern medical trauma centers came out of lessons learned in the Vietnam War. And we've learned a lot from the war on COVID-19. Airbag material, which helps protect health, uh, helps protect healthcare workers now being made into gowns. So what is in your car as the airbag now being made into gowns for some of those hospital workers, thanks to Joyson Safety Systems, who have been working with Ford. Forso have also developed a new powered air purifying respirator production now underway at Ford's uh, Vealand facility near Flat Rock in Michigan with paid UAW volunteers with the ability to make around 100,000 of these or more. And car factories have also been turned into ventilator factories. The first General Motors Ventec critical care ventilators delivered to hospitals in just one month from the original idea the final to the final product. 30,000 ventilators coming from the Kokomo, Indiana plant by the end of August. It's also nice to see what other automakers are doing. Toyota. They've ramped up to making masks. Hyundai have donated $4 million to Hope on Wheels, which is going to test 65,000 people for COVID-19. Subaru donating 50 million meals to Feeding America. Fiat Chrysler has donated more than 1.25 million face masks. Volvo have in turn their entire fleet of cars over to help people on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's 2,000 cars. And if manufacturers can't help with equipment, they can also help with servicing medical medical people's cars. For instance, we learned about last week's show. Mazda is changing the oil and deep cleaning healthcare workers' cars for free, no matter what kind of car that you have. That's going on right now. The Detroit Auto Show has been cancelled. The New York Auto Show has been moved to August. And we're seeing large gatherings of people change. They may be over for the future. Definitely won't be the same when we return. People may required be required to wear masks and not be able to sit in cars while they're still going around them at auto shows. Things like Mini Takes the States. We've heard about that being postponed until the summer of 2021. People may be uh, looking forward to getting out of the house, but some of the logistics for these uh, things take such a long time to do. It can take years to plan an event like Mini Takes the States. We might see more outdoor events, more rally car rallies, which are in fields where people don't have to be packed into small spaces spaces like SEMA and CES as well. I like to see some of the strange things that are happening around this. We learned about Lamborghini making face masks. They may be collectible. Uh, Ferrari is making valves for ventilators, which is kind of cool. They're uh, doing this process to help out those people during the pandemic. It's being made at their Marinello plant. Stay home orders are still in place for most of the U.S., but that doesn't mean we're all staying home. Some people have necessary jobs. Truckers, we learned last week 150,000 new truckers hitting the road but St. Christopher's Fund has raised more than 300,000 from companies in the industries such as Global Logistics leader C.H. Robinson, uh, truck stop chain Loves, the Travel Center and Pilot uh, Pilot Flying J and tire maker Yokohama donating to them. Why? Why should they donate to them? They keep truckers healthy by giving them medical equipment, by giving them uh, uh, tests, by getting them doctor's visits. If something happens to them, which is bad while they're out on the road, uh, St. Christopher's Fund is actually trying to make sure that they can get them home, get their truck and get everything delivered. If you still want your groceries, if you still want your Amazon packages, those truckers are necessary. But remember, 150,000 new truckers on the road means that those truck drivers aren't as used to driving on the road as the experienced truck drivers. And those experienced truck drivers know that 
things can happen very badly on the road. Uh, trucks take a long time to stop. They take a long time to change lanes, and they also don't turn the same as cars. So try and give some of those big trucks on the road a wide berth because those truckers, they may be new at their job because we need our packages delivering and we need to keep everybody safe. That's a roundup of what's going on of COVID-19 around the country uh, for different automakers who are trying to keep their communities safe, their workers safe, and the correct product rolling out of their factories. There's more Our Auto Expert to come. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. This is the Our Auto Expert Show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us and ask your car questions. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. My best video in modern times, my best video, which is uh, on YouTube, has a lot of views, and it is the Ram 1500. Uh, the Ram 1500, the modern version, the Ram 15, when it came out, I did five things that your this truck has that your truck doesn't. Bit of a provocative title. I know some people wanted to tune in and go, lies, lies, because they like to do that on YouTube. Um, and that vehicle was the first vehicle I was absolutely conscious of. I've driven many vehicles that have had e-talk in them, but it was the first vehicle that I was actually conscious of that had e-talk. And in fact could necessarily be the best-selling hybrid in the world if uh, FCA and Ram sold around 15, uh, you know, let's say 500,000 of those a year would outsell the Prius by a long way, which was probably the best hybrid that we know. E-Talk, of course, is where it's a, what we call a mild hybrid. And uh, with that mild hybrid uh, comes a lot of fuel saving, but also a lot of power and some very cool pulling away because it uses a different system to actually start the vehicle. But what am I talking about? I don't know anything about this. That's why Brian Spawn is joining us. He's an electrification engineer at FCA. Uh, Brian is also known as the father of eTalk, which is, of course, that mild hybrid system, which is also in the Jeep Wrangler. And uh, I can ask you, Brian, first of all, are you surviving the lockdown? Have you designed anything great while you've been shut away in your own home? Or, uh, <laughs> or are you just whiling the time playing Battlefield Five? Sure. We, we, we've got a lot of things going on at FCA, uh, even in our lockdown condition here. We've got a lot of electrification activities that we're working on. As, uh, as this hasn't really slowed down any of the work that I'm uh, developing, there's some lab uh, challenges that we're under, under uh, you know, some scrutiny for being able to complete. But the innovation continues to forge on. There's a lot of buzz uh, with the word electrification. Uh, those words can also mean different things to different people. Uh, some people think it's a fully electric vehicle, but with the e-talk, it's not necessarily the case. There is, uh, th this is sort of a partial electrification or using electricity to support the gas engine, right? Right. There, there is exactly what you said. There's a, there's a variety of levels of electrification. At FCA, we start off with our our uh, start-stop systems where we offer the ability to, to save fuel through a conventional type uh, electrification initiative. And then we move up to the e-torque system, which is uh, you know, a little bit more capacity with a battery pack and uh, electric motor generator uh, system. That, that moves up again into our plug-in hybrid systems. And then ultimately, uh, you know, full battery electric electrification is, is some no as complete elimination of the, the gasoline engine entirely. 
I recently, last week, had the Pacifica Hybrid out of the FCA fleet and did not use a single ounce of gas in the entire week I was driving it. Um, and my dogs enjoyed it too. It's the perfect vehicle for that. But I tend to be with being at home and having the TV, doing live TV from a home studio, uh, not going out more than maybe 10 miles a day uh, at the most if I'm running over to somebody's house to pick or drop off something up. So there's all these different levels of electrification. Why do we need so much different you know, ways of transportation? Sure. I think it comes down to, to each vehicle has different needs and different mission attributes. And there's no one single solution that offers all products the, the final, final answer at this time. So we're developing a number of product uh, enhancements that, that are truly tailored around the mission of the product. And then you know, price points that allow for, for you know, exceptional value for the, the vehicle and the ownership experience. I know that different things are different in different countries. Uh, you know, they have European electrification plans. They have U.S. electrification plans because China and Asia has completely different plans to what the U.S. has. So you have multiple brands at Fiat Chrysler, including the Jeep, the Ram, uh, Chrysler, Fiat, even Maserati. There are all some different levels of electrification going on, and is it the same vehicles that you're developing for every single nation and every single region of the world, or is it sort of different by region for region? There's, of course, a, a commonization element in, in mass scale that, that any large manufacturer tries to do. So in, in some areas, there, there's, a, there's a core uh, development activity technology, and then an adaptation or a uh, in-vehicle kind of special specialization that uh, we're trying to do for each product and market segment to try to tailor those uh, you know exact needs in those regions for those those different regulatory and and environmental conditions that we're ultimately faced with. Now let, let's just think about this because I see people like Rivian and I see people uh, you know like like Ford developing uh, entirely electric trucks. Uh, they're becoming a big idea. Even Tesla, although that thing looks like a monstrous high school project, I think that truck I would call it. Uh, you know, people are developing all electric trucks. So the Ram fifteen hundred. Uh, why isn't it a pure EV? I think it comes down to you know the the costs that are associated with with each uh, product line and and uh, you know there's there's a right product at the right time for each manufacturer and and I think we're starting to see that in the the industry that for some uh, you know a Tesla of the world their their niche is uh, is without gasoline uh, powered uh, capability and and they're of course uh, capitalizing on that ours of course has has been through you know some legendary uh, powertrain kind of environments like our Hemi engine and our Pentastar upgrade that that has more than uh, 10 million uh, engines in the in the marketplace. So we're we're of course in the e-torque family, uh, capitalizing on those uh, those attributes that we have and trying to enhance them from from that state. And then we we will clearly uh, you know continue to gain uh, ground as we go with you know finding the right value optimization for for our product. 
I, I have to think about how great the torque would be in a, a Ram if it was fully electrified. It would be unbelievable. I, I'm, although I'm a Hemi fan myself, uh, I do really, really like the idea of having all that torque. The, the, the e-torque system, how does it support uh, both the Jeep and the, and the Ram that it's available in? Uh, what does it do? When does it engage? And how much fuel or how much better power can you get? Sure. We, we typically try to talk through these things as six stages of efficient, hassle-free driving. Uh, we first start off with the auto stop uh, feature where we save fuel. And, and that can be, uh, you know, as much as 1.7 fluid ounces. You know, think of that as a shot glass of, uh, of fuel every 90 seconds uh, uh, in, in our product. And uh, then we move into uh, uh, auto start with uh, e-roll assist, the where we use the electric machine to, to help transition into the, the running component, a seamless auto starting uh, evaluation, if you will. And then acceleration and upshifting, uh, cruising speed operation uh, enhancements, deceleration and downshifting, and then, of course, all hybrids uh, in the capital, capitalization of uh, regenerative braking. I like the visual of a shot glass of fuel in 90 seconds. That's awesome. I, I always tell people it's between 6 and 10% with the auto stop-start because it, a lot of people have a hard time getting used to it if they've never driven an e-talk vehicle or electrified vehicle. Um, they, they never understand why the engine can turn off or why it does turn off, but it saves considerable amount of fuel, right? Right. That's one of the worst places uh, you know, a gasoline engine operates is at a at an idle state they're they're quite inefficient in that environment so we we can have uh, auto stop durations in ideal conditions up to approximately 10 minutes uh in the product which which of course at a at a long traffic light or watching uh you know a train go by something of those type of conditions offers a pretty significant uh savings and that's just from the auto stop uh feature alone I, I would like to work out how many dollars a year it probably saved me from using the auto stop start. I know it's quite considerable. Looking to the future, um, are there plans for 100% electrification at uh, FCA? Yeah, I, I can't go into all of the details, but uh, I can I can share that uh, you know we're we're very busy in the electrification area, and we've we've announced that there's uh, there's plans for up to 30 uh, additional nameplates uh, in in the next couple of years for. For our product line and growth, uh, and, and those vary uh, through each of those pillars and, and technology platforms that uh, I talked about earlier. I know that the diesel Wrangler was the first Wrangler to bridge 6,000 pounds, which is, of course, a very important number for those people that purchase their vehicles and, and enact the agricultural tax, which the vehicle has to weigh more than 6,000 pounds. Uh, will the electrified Wrangler bridge the 6,000 or the uh, the partial electrified Wrangler that uh, was just announced, is that going to bridge the, the gap of being over the 6,000 pounds, or will the electric vehicles of the future be over that way and uh, also qualify for the agricultural tax? Uh, you know, I'm not sure that I can and talk directly to that. You know, mass is an interesting uh, relationship, as, as you know, in a, in a vehicle. And, and, of course, the more mass you have, uh, potentially in agricultural terms, uh, you get one credit for them, but uh, in many other terms, you get penalized for being heavy. So uh, there's a there's a clear balance that we're trying to achieve with you know making our vehicles as efficient as we can, and uh, there, there's clearly uh, a number of things that we offer in different areas, and that's one of the considerations we we look at for for these things in in those markets. Uh, can that just naturally uh, adopt in that environment? 
All right. Well, I know it's always hard when I ask you future product questions, and I'm sure your PR folks are like waving their arms around and going, no, don't answer it. <laughs> don't answer it. It's always a hard one. Well, listen, thank you for uh, keeping the electrified dream alive, and uh, congratulations on so many successes in the lineup at FCA. Uh, and I'm, I eagerly await, uh, Brian, the next generation of electrified vehicles to come out of FCA. Hopefully, well, they'll be announced if the LA Auto Show goes ahead or there'll be announcements very soon of some of the new stuff that you're going. If you wanted to know about eTalk, you can always go and look at some of these vehicles at either the Ram or at the Jeep website. Uh, Jen, would you buy a truck if it was uh, electrified? Maybe the hybrid system, yes. Well, you wouldn't have a purely electric truck. No. So a Ram 1500 eTalk is right up your sleeve? Oh, yeah. yeah. I like Ram. You do? I do. I like the 1500. The Rebel's my favorite. It just needs to be, uh, you know, the payments need to be about a dollar a week. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I don't know. <laughs> no. I'm not going there with you. I don't, why? Because you know I'm going to give you a hard time. Your truck girl, Jen. I know? know. And I love trucks. Right. Right. Electrified truck. Just saying. Mm. Uh, I love trucks that aren't electric. Is that what you're about to say? No, I didn't say anything. I just went, mm. <sighs> Honestly, if I took you for a ride in an e-talk, you'd love it. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I like the hybrid systems. Like, yeah. But you wouldn't know it's a hybrid. You wouldn't know. It's just the electrified transmission. That's it. I just like the beefiness of trucks. Can you deal with stop-start? Um, I've had that before. It's it's weird. Yeah. It, it's, you know. It's because you're old school. That's right. All those new school guys love stop-start. You can save a shot glass of fuel every 90 seconds. I you told that from Brian. I told you about my trip in D.C. What? Yeah, that I had the, you, you can tell when you're in the top 10 group uh, oh. states. Because they're all stopped at the stop sign. They all yeah. start at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Take your foot off the brake. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would work with a motorcycle, though, when you were stopped, if it turned off. I thought it would be weird. Yeah, it would be kind of weird. be scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about what it would like be like now, though. I do like electrification, especially in a pedal bike. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> Cheater? <laughs> Electrification and pedal bikes is great. Yeah. You go up a hill, you're like a really steep hill. There's those guys on those racing bikes. They're like, <laughs> my son has one. And I'm like pedaling away, going, hey, see ya. Thanks for coming to work today. I think he has a Lamborghini edition. Yeah. Of course he does. Of course. All right, Mark Gillies from VW coming up. You're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast. Locally celebrated, nationally uh, created from the northwest and the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, and on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. Our auto expert is where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. It seems to be a week of fabulous birthdays. Mustang celebrating its birthday. Uh, Jordan and I celebrating our birthdays. And apparently we're not the only ones. Mark uh, Gillies is from Volkswagen. Our friend is on the phone. Mark, did you celebrate a birthday too? I did, and exactly the same day as you, Nick. Oh, so we're sandwiched quite nicely between the Queen and William Shakespeare, which works out nicely. One's the, 20, <laughs> one's the 21st and the other's the 23rd. How, how more English could uh, uh, the Taurus or the beginning of Taurus be? I say, well, happy birthday, Mark. I didn't know, but uh, celebrations. Uh, And you're also celebrating another milestone at Volkswagen because you have uh, made quite a few of the Tiguan vehicles, obviously turning out to be quite a success. Yeah, indeed. We just announced that we broke 6 million sales um, and 
last year we sold uh, 910,000, 911,000 vehicles. Um, so it's now the single most successful Volkswagen group model um, among all of our vehicles worldwide. So, you know, it's pretty good because the vehicle didn't go on sale until 2007. So it's not like the nameplate's been around like, say, a Mustang uh, or even an Explorer, you know, for, forever. It's it's done done really well. And I mean, we, we sold in the States last year, we sold over 109,000 making it, you know, one of our best-selling vehicles as well. And and now the the latest refresh, it's becoming a vehicle, it's become a vehicle, which is easily adaptable depending on your lifestyle. You can still buy the, the nameplate, but you can get it in different configurations. And it has quite a bit of space and usable space as well, which is something that maybe its competitions failed to do. It's uh, It has that option of uh, of sort of getting more passengers in it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the only one left in the compact SUV market with a with a third row seat. And, you know, <clears throat> there's been criticism of the third row, but I don't think you're expecting to get grown adults in there. It's it's the kind of, um, I wouldn't say an emergency third row, but it's the kind of uh, adaptability that's great. It, you know, I used to be a soccer, soccer parent before the kids grew up and went to college. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's really useful if somebody says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the game at half time. Can you take my kids home? And suddenly, you know, the four seater car you had suddenly becomes a seven seater car. So right. I think it's, it's a, I think it's actually quite handy like that. And we actually sell, I mean, the car's actually sold in two wheelbank, wheelbase lengths. Um, so in Europe, it's a short wheelbase and, and here, um, it's sold in a longer wheelbase, which is the same for China as well. If, if you look at China and the States, uh, um, more divergent markets than, than you might think. Um, they're more 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 alike than say Europe is to China or Europe is to the US. I'm sure China love the Passat too because of all the uh, second row legroom as well. They like their things a little longer too, and so Americans always like their big cars too. I like to call that third row. By the way, I've tried to coin this phrase, but nobody uh, it seems to be too willing, and maybe it's too English of a phrase. So I'll call it the pub row. Which means that you'll be you're, somebody's happy to ride back to the house in it from the pub, but they're not really happy to take a road trip in it. Which is the perfect sort of adult uh, version of the of the sort of seven seven kids in the back or whatever, or six kids in the back plus a driver. What what do you think the secret to the Tiguan success is? Because uh, it, it's one of those vehicles that is in such a competitive streak. I mean, there are so much out there that's competition to this vehicle and it's it's usually the or it is still the biggest growth area one of the biggest growth areas in in suvs and yet the tiguan seems to be holding its position against some of the craftiest manufacturers in the business yeah i think it's a mixture of a lot of things i mean it's it it drives well i think um the styling is it's not like as i don't think it's as gimmicky as, as some of the competitors it's more sort of classical but it's still you know, pretty pretty sharp, um, and it's got a lot of usable space. And I think you know that combined with you know up 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 to the minute infotainment systems, um, and you know reasonably good fuel economy. We're not the best fuel economy in class by 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 some way according to EPA numbers, but real world it gets good fuel economy. I think it's got pretty much everything that that people need in a in a compact SUV. And um, like I said, it, it does look different to. A lot of the, particularly the Asian competitors from from Korea and Japan, it's not quite as, um, what's the word? I, some of, some of the Japanese cars are a little bit overstyled to me, whereas yeah. you know, Volkswagen's always been a little bit more restrained. 
I think you just that big beefy squareness to it as well, but at the same time being aerodynamic. I also hate the cars that are sort of designed out of a wind tunnel. We've got strange fins coming off of places or really sort of unnatural shapes to them. And this is these sort of classic sharp lines. I like the sharp lines, especially now the grill going all the way across the front and the, and the large sort of air intake uh, manifold at the, or the large air intake at the bottom there uh, and the FOD likes embedded too as well. And then VW has always sort of done some I, first time I think I saw it in person was on the um, the two row Atlas version. It's that grey colour that you came out with, a sort of concrete colour, just looked spectacular against the uh, British Columbia skyline. And and I think you've all sort of come up those colours and interesting interior colours as well. So it, it's it sort of has that very simplistic look, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's part part of, to me. That's part of the charm of good German design over the years. You know, if you go back to the Bauhaus back in the, the 30s, it yeah. was basically, you know, form follows function. And I think that's, you know, you, you can, it can be uh, criticized for being boring, but it also is, as I say, it's very functional and, and efficient. And, and that is, to me, sort of classic German design. Yeah, well, congratulations on reaching such a milestone with this vehicle. Uh, I'm sure well worth it. So if, uh, if people want to buy one, I presume they can still buy one under COVID-19 if they want to. Yeah, I mean, there's, it depends on your local dealership. I mean, there are some dealers, um, some dealers have shut down um, and some dealers have been forced to shut down by um, the state's mandate. Um, other dealers are staying open in limited capacity. Um, I was just actually I was, uh, corresponding with another journalist the other day whose sister wanted to buy a car and apparently it was being done on a uh, appointment basis. So, you know, right, people yeah. still... People are still getting out of leases and getting into new cars. Um, it's just obviously the the, um, the the amount of trade that's being done at the moment is, is pretty limited, just because of people. You know, there's a lot of people out of work, and a lot of people are scared of what's happening in the future. I think. All right, Mark Gillius from VW. Happy birthday! Uh, you're celebrating it with some of the best people uh, around, including. Uh, the Queen and William Shakespeare and the VW uh, Atlas and all their cars at VW's uh, website. Go check them out. This is our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, I think it probably has, and I haven't done all of the checking on this, but I think it probably has the longest name for any vehicle in the world. The Range Rover, or I guess it's the Land Rover Range Rover Velar SV Autobiography Dynamic Edition. Refined power? Yes, it has it. Thrills? Yes, it has it. Experts on the subject? Yes, we have it. Joining us on the phone is uh, is Rob, the head of planning for uh, Jaguar Land Rover. And we love this vehicle very much. Uh, why does it have such a long name, Rob? That should be the first question we should ask. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to come with that. Um, <laughs> it, it's one of those. A special car deserves a special name. I think that's, that's all we can leave it with. <laughs> I don't think I have that many letters is left in my pen to write it out it's uh <laughs> that's how we started our tv segment when we had this car out of the press fleet and uh, we we had it in all the fox stations we just <laughs> showed the name was just 
such a long, long, a long name. But uh, this is so. I think this is probably uh, definitely joins my top ten dream cars of all time. Uh, you took a, a sort of luxury SUV that was known for off roading and transportation and turned it into a pretty much a track monster, didn't you? Yeah, a bit. Um, and I think what's interesting is uh, obviously everyone thinks five hundred fifty horsepower, so they start thinking track and and outright performance. Um, but a key within the development was actually that we fulfill what a Range Rover stands for. So it's, it has that ultimate luxury, that ultimate feel, comfort, um, but also still maintains all the off-road capability, uh, which is, I think one of the, probably the biggest surprises of it is more than capable on the, on the road and track, but can also go through just about anything else you want to take it through. Uh, I would slap somebody very hard if they took my uh, Velar SV autobiography <laughs> dynamic edition off-road. Because I'm sure it's capable, but this is definitely a vehicle I want to uh, preserve, I guess, the Dynamic Edition. So what's the difference between the SV Autobiography and the Dynamic Edition, or is it just the same thing? Yeah, um, it is It is one and the same. Um, so it's, it is our only SV for the Velar um, and, and a limited production model at that. Um, I think the biggest is we went through and refined just about everything from interior to exterior powertrain suspension um to make it kind of the the most extreme version of the law possible um and so it, it kind of touches on just about everything that it needs to uh, in, in those areas jerry mcgovern the designer of uh, range rover is well known for experimenting with things especially materials on the inside he's uh, experimented with wool and and uh, silks on the inside of, uh, of, the, of the vehicles but this has uh, is it windsor leather as the seat yes it has a it has a version of our windsor leather um in this case Pretty much, just most of the interior is wrapped in it, um, and then it's a it's a specially perforated version that's also quilted, um, and it has a double stitching uh, around all the seams. Uh, so it just again take take the best version of leather that we have within the portfolio again, and then just up the ante on a little bit from an aesthetic standpoint as well as a feel standpoint. Knowing the the fact that you have such a royal connection at uh, Land Rover and Range Rover, uh, I'm not surprised it's Windsor leather. It could have been, you know, something else. <laughs> it's just basically we, we've got we've got to stick with our heritage when it comes to these things. Oh, I, I'm all about it. I will tell you, it, it makes my it makes me smile when I see uh, you know Prince Philip pulled over for speeding in a Range Rover. That's pretty awesome. Because, <laughs> uh, exterior. What did you change on the outside of the vehicle? Um, the biggest things on the exterior um, are, re- are really around the front and rear bumpers, um, larger intakes on the front for feeding the, the larger 5-liter engine, um, as well as uh, cooling the, the new brake system. Um, and then there's some updates to the to the grill and the lower side moldings. Um, and then the rear bumper has been um, completely reformed because now it has to, to fit the larger quad exhaust that we have. Um, at, at the rear as well. Um, but the big thing is really focusing on aerodynamics and cooling with it. Um, and then what people don't generally see is there's also even a under tray now for the um, transmission um, to help underbody aero as well. All right, Nick, because a lot, a lot of times people don't think of what, what's uh, between the wheels and the underneath of the car. Uh, the air yeah. still has to pass through that area. Uh, what goes fast with 550 horsepower has to stop fast as well, so you had to up those brakes to make sure that it does slow down at some point. Yeah, and, and we're pretty confident in what, in what we've put in there in that package. Um, so we've gone up to 15.5-inch rotors, front and rear. Um, so there's, there's no... 
there's no um, hesitation in this brake system. Um, and then kind of it's another big piece that we're proud of as far as you can go fast, you can stop fast, you can turn fast as well. A lot of bespoke stuff on the inside of this uh, vehicle, and uh, including, I guess, the transmission as well. So uh, bespoke SV all over it from air dampers and anti-roll bars. It's really got uh, it's got every possible uh, added piece to it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the transmission it's one of our it's our speed shift uh, transmission, which has also made its way into other SV products um, from both the Land Rover and Jag side. So it's I think just about the quickest automatic transmission on the market today. Um, I think battling even with the uh, dual clutch transmissions in, ter- in terms of shift speeds, and then uh, for every other component, it's either new hardware um, of all those pieces that you mentioned. Where it's a complete recalibration of the electronics, um, so that basically everything is responding quicker, um, can go to, to further extremes in in terms of dynamics um, on road or track. Um, but basically, the, the SV guys went through this on the engineering side and retuned just about everything related to the suspension and the drivetrain. There are very few sad days in my life because I have one of the best uh, jobs in the world, test driving cars all over the world. Uh, but it was a sad day when this had to go back to you guys after having the loan uh, of it. Uh, if I want to own one, though, this isn't for the faint of heart. It's it's not the cheapest vehicle in your lineup, is it? it it's not, but it, it's it's all value is all relative. Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's worth every penny. I'm not I'm not knocking that whatsoever. I'm just saying it's, it's um, you know it's north of a hundred thousand dollars if you want it the way you want it. Uh, it, it yeah, it starts. It starts just a hair over ninety thousand, um, and then fully, fully optioned. It's just over a hundred. Yeah. Um, but even at ninety thousand, that comes with the full array of of driver assistance features. F- safety was another big thing for this vehicle that we wanted to, to hit on. So between blind spot assist, adaptive cruise control for when you really just want to relax and cruise, um, but then also all the electronics between CarPlay, Android Auto, surround sound meridian system. Um, to, when you don't want to listen to the to the rumbling V8, um, but fr- from the base price, it really kind of has it all as well. So this is at all rounder, um, whoever you are, however you might want to drive, however you might want to experience the road, it's got it in there. I, I like to joke about the Meridian sound system and say it's a ninety thousand dollar sound system with a car around it because <laughs> it, it, it it's it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, it, this, how much do you actually get to to choose how this car looks in the U.S.? You get to do, you choose colors, you choose trims, or uh, does it sort of come with uh, these are the options the factory can make and you have to like them? Yeah, it's it's a lot around the, the look. Um, so we've got. Um, six different exterior colors, uh, including a very special, um, it's a satin blue um, paint, um, which is unique. This is the only Velar that's available with this paint. Um, and then on the interior, you have four different colors between uh, an ebony, a cirrus, a classic vintage tan um, from, again, the I think the classic Land Rover and Jaguar days, um, and then a pimento, which is a deep red. Um, and then there's, there's a couple of different sets of wheels, um, and then there are a few other options on the interior between uh, upgrading the Meridian further to, to a mind-blowing signature sound system um, and, a, and a few other minor options on the driver assistance side. Um, I, but it's, like I said, pretty well equipped from the start, and then it's just make it look your way. I, I will tell you that I am absolutely in love with this vehicle, and I really, really do like it. I'd love to have one in my driveway. Jen would love to have one in her driveway. Oh, I in have fact, a story for I, you. Uh, 
I, in fact, I would, I would one, I was wondering what you'd need from me to get a fifteen-year loan on one of these. Fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I could I could certainly put you in touch with a finance expert on that. <laughs> oh, oh, it's going to cost me money. Look at that. Uh, Rob, Rob Philipovic, thank you, head of the planning for uh, Jaguar Land Rover, the new uh, SV autobiography dynamic edition in the Velar. Beautiful. Just beautiful. More to come. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. This is the Our Auto Expert Show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on all your social media platforms. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, and many of those Americans also watch what Anton Woolman writes. He is an independent analyst and investor. You can read a majority of his stuff at The Street or Seeking Alpha, and this week there's a lot of news for us to discuss. Anton, let's talk about Polestar, which is Volvo's soon-to-be-only-electrified division, but they've announced the price of the Polestar 2. That's right. So this is the first all-electric Polestar. There's a Polestar 1, which is a low-volume, very expensive vehicle that we can pretty much disregard, but this is the most direct competitor yet in the market to the Tesla Model three as well as the tesla model y and the polestar 2 was priced for the u.s market starting at sixty thousand dollars and deliveries are to begin uh later this summer so uh, the sixty thousand may not include the uh, delivery fee which would be about a thousand so uh let's call that sixty one thousand all in all but uh we finally got the number and uh, given the fact that the polestar 2 is eligible for the full 7,500 U.S. federal income tax credit that makes uh, the Polestar 2 extremely competitive with uh, Tesla in particular. Now, a lot of the people are ordering their Teslas uh, fully stocked, but there is a possibility of getting that price down from around $60,000 if you get a less, uh, I would say, tricked-out version. Not yet. There will be, but uh, the the one that they're the version, the grade, the trim level that they are launching to begin with, is essentially a nearly fully loaded one. It has the highest battery capacity with the most powerful dual motor configuration and the most amount of equipment. So you add all of that together, and that puts that base price at sixty thousand. Volvo has, and I should say, Polestar has said that. Uh, in the coming quarters and years, you should expect that uh, less rich configurations will be available that will take this thing solidly down into the 40s. Um, which is probably going to mean it's, well, I'm sure they'll run out of those tax credits at some point, but it's going to make it a better deal than the Model 3. That will be the case indeed, but uh, for those lower configurations, I would not expect them to arrive in U.S. dealerships on this side of the calendar year. I would look for them maybe next spring or something like that, spring of 21. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep that out. Uh, electric vehicles presumably are a, somewhat of a luxury in the United States. There, uh, Although companies like to help them have them issued to help with their EPA numbers, uh, overall fleet numbers to bring them down, uh, is production been as slowed uh, with the electrified vehicles coming to market as everything else, or is it more severe? 
No, the I mean, first of all, we don't know exactly yet because you have to keep in mind that the um, uh, the sales pace of electric vehicles is extremely closely driven to two things. First, the one that the consumer sees, which are the consumer incentives. So whether this is in the Netherlands or it's in California or it's in China, the consumer gets to see a part of the incentive. Part of that incentive could be monetary, like a tax credit or a rebate or equivalent. A part of it could be just the privilege of driving in a carpool lane or even driving to a city at all during certain times of the week. That's one side. The other side that the consumer does not see is the uh, de facto incentive. We can really call it a mandate and uh, the ramifications of that mandate that uh, fall upon the manufacturer. If a manufacturer has to sell so-and-so many, a so-and-so large percentage of their volume, uh, according to some formula being EVs, then they're essentially going to have to subsidize them. So the automaker will have to set the price of the EVs much lower than it would have been had they uh, not had those mandates. So uh, those are the things that really drive the sales. That is too early yet to say whether the recent uh, pandemic and the uh, shutdowns and all of that have really impacted those formulas yet. We, we just don't have a good sense of that quite yet. All right. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. Uh, when we come back, I want to continue with these conversations. Volkswagen confirming the ID3 is on track for the summer. That's going to be interesting to see if they can get it out amongst the pandemic, although Germany opening up a lot more. Tesla losing its subsidies in China. We'll talk about that. Kia confirming a brand new battery electric vehicle. And the U.S. sales rates could be drastically in trouble because of the pandemic that we're currently suffering. Plus, Mitsubishi saying they're going to be in a big loss situation. Does that mean it's the end of the road from them? Anton Moore will answer those questions and more when we return on Our Auto Expert, the radio show. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your speakerphone or your speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play our auto expert radio show. And all the previous episodes on the podcast will become available. Hours of endless fun as you sit in your stay-at-home situation where you can't leave the house. You can even do it. I guess, through your phone in the car. I'm Nick Miles. This is our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news from our Auto Expert. Uh, Anton Warman is driving from uh, his home in the middle of nowhere to uh, a really nice, uh, his nice home in Vegas. And uh, we got disconnected. So he is, uh, right now, we're trying to reconnect with him because he's probably in the middle of nowhere. That was my Siri going off because it was... Trying to find, uh, trying to find uh, our auto expert radio show, which it's just doing. I had to go silence it. A lot of other news as we get Anton back on the phone. Uh, Japanese Mitsubishi Motors uh, loses over the pandemic. Are uh, they going to be able to survive? They were already in a very precarious situation as far as sales is concerned, but this could be, unfortunately, the nail in the coffin for a brand which is 
been known for developing some of the best all-wheel drive systems and some of the great Evo performance cars of the past. Uh, everybody's sales earnings, of course, going to be down because people aren't going to dealerships to shop, but it's not stopping all new car companies uh, releasing vehicles. Toyota uh, have shown the brand new Yaris, and of course I wasn't that interested in rushing to see it because it's been one of those small sort of little commuter cars that people aren't that interested in. I tend to see a lot of medical uh, delivery services using them to pick up blood samples from doctor's offices around town. Uh, but in Tokyo, uh, on a in, in the end of April, uh, they showed the brand new Yaris, and it looks like a compact SUV. Will it come to the United States? I don't know. It was originally supposed to be released at the Geneva Motor Show. All right, we managed to get Anton back on the phone. So, Anton, we were talking a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world. Volkswagen confirming the ID3 is on track for the summer. That's right. So there were many uh, talk about uh, delay because of uh, software issues and, of course, the recent production issues that is impacting everybody. But Volkswagen came out the other day and just said, uh, guess what? We are still on track. So whether they made that up or whether that is actually true, it's uh, all other things equal. I think it's a good sign. Do you think that uh, there's going to be a market left for them? Because obviously car sales are down. A lot of people aren't buying when they were buying. But uh, do you think the ID3 still has a future and people are still going to want to buy a new vehicle? Uh, Nick, here's how it works with that. They have to sell a certain percentage of their production. They will lower the price to the point where they will sell the requisite quantity. That's the way it's going to work. All right. Well, it's still a good future. Uh, while we were trying to get you back on the phone, we were talking about Mitsubishi saying that they're now in a loss situation. Does that mean a nail in the coffin for that car company who their future has been precarious as, as it stands? So here's what's going on with Mitsubishi. They're sitting between Nissan and Renault at this point. And what's going to happen is that there's going to be a tighter integration between these companies and you could easily see Mitsubishi being folded into Nissan here and that all the R&D going forward will be 100% common. So it'll be a brand under the Nissan umbrella going forward. All right, let's turn to uh, Tesla. They're losing their subsidiaries in China. That's going to be quite a blow to them. Yeah, so the Chinese government came out and said that there will be no more electric car subsidies unless the car costs below the 300000 in local currency, and the base Tesla goes for 323000 So that was the issue there, and uh, that is going to be a very big problem for uh, Tesla here if they cannot sell their vehicles without those uh, subsidies. So we'll see how long that changes. Remember, uh, China has changed their subsidy scheme so many yeah. times it makes your head spin, but this is the very latest change. Now, but China also favors Tesla somewhat because they have uh, quite a lot of integration with the company and people who make stuff for Tesla are also uh, are members of the Chinese government, right? That's right. So specifically in Shanghai, the Shanghai province, uh, of course, gave Tesla all the goodies in order to get their factory up and running at record speed. So, uh, yes, there are still a number of moves left on the chessboard, but this latest development of the subsidies going away cannot possibly be good for Tesla incremental in and of itself. Now, so some company is still working on R&D. We talked to one of the engineers at FCA today who's still working on electrification of that brand. Uh, Kia made an announcement this week that they do have a new BEV coming to market in 2021. Tell us what we know. 
Yeah, so there's going to be an all-new platform that will be BEV only, battery electric vehicle only, no hybrid of any kind, no plug-in hybrid, just a BEV. And uh, a lot of car companies are going down that path, of course, Volkswagen and General Motors most prominently, but many others as well to varying degrees. So in the case of uh, Kia here, the very first one will be a kind of a low-slung crossover. Think of it as a race station wagon, and it'll be out for the U.S. market by the end of 2021. And that'll not be like the Soul or the Nero that'll have elect uh, internal combustion engine variants with it this will be a strictly an all-electric vehicle uh kia uh, interesting enough is saying it's going to have a range of 300 miles absolutely so on the u.s epa cycle there will be doing uh, 300 miles and uh, it will also charge in uh, only uh, 20 minutes is what they say maybe it's uh, up to 80 percent or something like that that's typically what uh, automakers define uh, full charge is not from zero to 100, but from whatever minimum amount up to about 80 or 90 percent. So uh, that, uh, that's a pretty good number, obviously, depending on price at that point. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. And this is, of course, something that uh, we were worried about. But U.S. sales are in huge trouble now. Plummeting. Various analysts from all corners of the automotive uh, universe uh, is now projecting April sales to be on the order of 7 to 8 million vehicles uh, annualized. So that is obviously a very much smaller number uh, for the month. But basically what we saw here in March, where essentially half the month of March got uh, locked off to the side, uh, we get the full effect of that here in April, and it's not pretty. Uh, the good news is that everybody hopes this is somewhat temporary, and this will form a trough from which... Uh, uh, May and onwards, we'll see some improvements. We don't really know where we're going to be with uh, the amount of vehicles for sale, pricing, that sort of thing. It changes hour by hour as the, the COVID situation changes. But right now, we're talking about the million vehicles being dropped into the market from rental agencies and pushing the, the second-hand car price down or the gently used uh, recycled car that people could be buying, shifting that price down as much as uh, 50%. I know that in local auction markets, I've been looking at it, and they're only getting 60% of what they were expecting to get for car prices which will reflect somewhat on dealer lots maybe not uh, as much as a drop by 40 percent but there's only a limited amount of stock as available of new cars as well and as prices drops it may encourage more more people to buy so are we going to be running out of new cars uh, are there going to be plenty of them are prices going to plummet what how do you see the market overall we're not running out of new cars at all. The reason that these prices are dropping across the board from new cars to uh, slightly gently used cars and other fleet uh, disposals is because there simply isn't demand. I mean, the consumer has a choice of postponing their automotive purchase until a better time, better time for their economy, uh, personal economy uh, situation, as well as when they hope that prices will come down. And that's what the, the consumer is essentially going on a strike. Part of it is mandatory because the consumer doesn't have enough money. And part of it is voluntary and that they're saying, well, I can wait a little bit longer. I'm going get, to get a better deal. And that, that is very much what's happening right now. Uh, are people still able to buy cars? Uh, I know some dealerships are shut down. Is it a state-by-state -state situation or a dealership-by-dealership -dealership situation? Oh, it's very much a state-by-state -state and, and uh, situation because the, the degree of lockdowns and scaring the bejesus out of people is basically different in Texas and uh, Montana compared to, say, 
New York and the various northeastern states and parts of California where uh, basically the lockdown is uh, far more stringent. So sales have not gone down nearly as much in places like uh, Texas and the entire belt there from uh, uh, all of the states all the way up to North Dakota and the Rocky Mountain states where uh, also, oh, by the way, not coincidentally, all the pickup truck sales take place. I mean, 25% of all pickups are sold in Texas, and that means that pickup truck sales have not been down nearly as much. But if you're trying to sell a, a BMW sedan these days, uh, you're you're having a harder time. Um, I'm watching the uh, car rental sites to see when they go on sale at massive uh, massive discounts. Right now, they're about where they have been, but I haven't seen the discounts actually appear in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you were going to take some cash, if you have cash, and invest it in uh, automotive companies, uh, which companies are looking healthy right now, and which ones would you run away from? On a relative basis, the companies that are going to fare the least bad and, and understand that these companies are still in bad shape, but relative to expectations and relative to all the other automotive companies, the big three U.S. ones are in the best position. That would be Fiat Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors. And the reason for that is that they have the highest exposure to pickup trucks. So they will uh, get hurt the least in this whole thing. Uh, The companies that uh, are focused uh, primarily on just regular cars and luxury cars, such as the BMWs and the Daimlers of this world, uh, they will have the hardest time. What uh, what what were your best stories of this week, Anton? Tell us what they were and where we can go read them. Oh gosh, I've published a few on uh, Seeking Alpha, uh, both with respect to the broader automotive market and also some other musings on the, this whole virus situation. So those have been my focus for the week. Excellent. Uh, Anton Wallman, an independent analyst and investor. You can go to Seeking Alpha. Uh, You can also go to the street and read a majority of his stuff. Anton, thank you for joining us uh, with that. Uh, Of course, you can listen to our show, and there are multiple episodes online at uh, ourautoexpert.com. You can listen to the previous episodes and also go and sign up from your uh, podcast, uh, whatever app you use. You can uh, download it on those apps as well, which is uh, good way to listen to it. I'd also remind you that we have plenty of videos online as well. We do a lot of coverage uh, for Fox Sports and uh, for Fox stations around the country, WGN, if you're listening to us in Chicago. Uh, You can go to our website, Our Auto Expert, and see some of the news reports. In fact, I was doing live TV at stations this week, um, and interestingly enough, talking about uh, the situation and Ford making some of those gowns out of airbag material, which I find an extremely fascinating story. Um, if you go see the Fox 6 in Milwaukee uh, uh, television live television segment I did from my home studio this week, you'll put a, it'll put a smile on your face because I get photobombed in the middle of uh, the segment by my chocolate Labrador, Sam. Uh, he had just been fed a few minutes before and had been out in the yard, uh, you know, just doing his sniff after he, uh, he has his breakfast and he decided to come running in the studio and jump in my lap. And that's what happens when you have to be at home and have a COVID-19 situation where you're broadcasting from your house. The dogs get free run of the studio. Probably should have shut the door. I'll I'll remember that too. Also, don't forget, you can come to us on all of the social media programs. We'd love to hear anything that you have to say. And uh, 
Thank you, May, for all the nice comments. So we helped May buy a Ram 1500 this week. Uh, she happens to be an anchor at Fox 40 in Sacramento. Uh, she reached out and said, hey, could you help me uh, find a new Ram? And we did. She was very happy. We got a great discount uh, from the local dealer. Plus, we got deferred payments for her and 0% financing for while she owns the vehicle. So she was a happy camper. Of course, previous episodes of the show, all the information and social media, it's all at Our Auto expert you can click on there and also subscribe as well because you'll get a weekly email which updates you on all of the information going on in the auto industry i'm nick miles thanks to truck girl jen and we will return with more our auto expert next time you've been listening to our auto expert with nick miles find all the show episodes at rautoexpert.com please follow us on all social media twitter facebook and instagram at rautoexpert and message us for a quick and witty response